Welcome to the Mission Show with Luis Cardozo and Albert Kenfield. Today, we have a conversation with Dr. David Martin Whitworth. Welcome to the Mission Show, Dr. David. It's a pleasure having you here with us today. You and I met each other in Portugal in a very good seminar here. You gave us a class and we are here discussing about mission and evangelism. I know that all of this is your passion. You are very involved with this, not only professionally as a professor, but also extra classes. You are a very committed Christian and very committed with the mission of the Lord. So, Dr. David, welcome to the Mission Show. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Um, what an absolute Enjoy. delight and pleasure uh, to be able to spend time with y'all, especially about talking about those things that are near and dear to our hearts. Um, you know, as I tell my students, uh, you know, y'all, we, we have the best, quote, job, if you will, in the world. You know, we get to think about the things of God, we get to talk about the things of God, and we get to act upon the things of God. And uh, I can't think of anything better than, than to do that. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for the opportunity uh, to be here with you. Today, we start a conversation talking about advanced groups. That is the evangelistic movement in UK that is spreading throughout the world. We just hit the mark of 200 groups in the UK and around 500 groups throughout the world. That is amazing. It's a movement of people talking about their lives in the process to share the gospel. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm part of the movement here in Portugal. I am the Portugal ambassador of the advanced groups. And something that we are very proud is our focus in the messenger, in the evangelist, in the life of the evangelist, not only on techniques or methods as the only way to do this, but we are very loose in methods, very loose in ownership of our materials. And our focus is to promote and bless that this could become a kingdom movement of formation of evangelism all around the globe. That in itself, for whatever it's worth, just my opinion, what you just said to me is integral to the gospel. And what I mean by that is that there's none of what we're going to say or do that's going to be new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so in, from that perspective, there's not really this sense of ownership um, and or even branding. And I guess I'm saying that because I've learned about that the hard way, um, <laughs> not, not from so much for me trying to hold on to, quote, intellectual property rights, but the notion of others doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess big, long story to say, you know, thank you so much for your servant's heart to be willing to share that and say, hey, look, here it is, folks, use it however you want. Mm -hmm. um, because that's, that's what I like to tell my students as well. I mean, anything that I've written, spoke about, uh, talked about, it, it's out there to be used, utilized, changed, modified, uh, <laughs> contextualized, Amen. incarnational, come on, anyway. Amazing. So, th Amazing. That is the gospel. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, and and unfortunately, uh, 
you know, all too often too many folks in ministry. And I guess I'm getting into some of that paradigm <laughs> stuff. Worry, that needs to change, right? Some of that stuff is uh, there's, they've made this uh, career out of it instead mm-hmm. of seeing it as a vocation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when it's a career, then it becomes what's my next move. What's going to be the next smartest thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, what's going to be that appropriate model, or as you were just talking about, what's, what's this technique. Can you, can you, can you, so the sense of ownership and pride comes into it. And of course that is one of, you know, the, the key hindrances, if you will, to the growth of the Christian church, yeah, yeah. uh, is that, is that semblance, uh, and that, that piece of pride that broken people have. Um, so anyway. Sorry, didn't mean Sorry. to get preached. Don't either. worry, don't worry. <laughs> no, please do. One thing that we all want to know is uh, how the gospel could or should be in a person as a way of life. Because one thing that I see here a lot in, in, in Europe, and you were here for a while, so you know that as well, is that is this uh, the gospel has become more and more professional. Uh, as the time goes. So it's more and more specialized. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a church leader and I see that in my church. People, let's leave evangelism to, to the professionals. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's leave uh, a Christian life really a rooted in Christ's life that shows to the world that Jesus is alive. Let's leave that to the pastor. We work <laughs> Monday to Saturday and we come on Sunday just to to have a nice time so, and support him. Yeah. So yes. how could we, how should we uh, have help our churches and our communities and people out there to know they can have a life that express Jesus and that yeah. know Jesus to, to, to the deepest part of their soul. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I love it. Of course, that's what my heart and my passion is. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look back, you know, hindsight's 2020. And I look back over these last two decades, really, you know, the last 17, 20 years, and I see how that has evolved and that has changed um, for me because the very heart of what you're talking about, these are the things that I was just jotting down some quick notes that I talk to my students about on a regular basis anyway, Mm -hmm. as far as that's what I was talking about. They've made it uh, this career. Uh, You know, it's very indicative of popular culture, uh, a consumerism type culture um, where they're going to go to, quote, church, which when they say that, they mean that particular worship service on Sunday, maybe Mm -hmm. a Wednesday night gathering, um, you know, and it's it's these one off or two off experiences during the week. It's not something that they can live out as a way of life. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, that exactly. And of course, that was introduced to me, you know, as far as what I was struggling with in pastoral ministry two decades ago uh, and when I was in seminary as well. I, I saw this this polemic, if you will, between the notion of faith and action, between the notion of, you know, being active in the church, but not necessarily seeing that oh my goodness, you know, I'm actually a theologian, not me. I'm talking about parishioners. You know, parishioners didn't think of themselves Mm -hmm. or the average person sitting out in the pew. They didn't think, well, I have a theology (laughs) Um, and, or I, I am supposed to 
share the good news, evangelize. You know, of course, by then, evangelize was a bad word. Uh, you know, we call it the E word over here. You know, they, they think of it as a bad thing. And how was it or what was it? That was what was impressed upon my heart. How can we bring about this change? Um, you know, so I, I immediately and, and in part, I've been working with that notion, Romans 12, too, you know, mm-hmm. no longer conforming to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's pleasing, good and perfect will. Um, and uh, you'll you'll both appreciate this. One of my earlier mentors uh, starting in 2004 was Wesley DeSouza. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wesley was, was my professor. Uh, he had just recently come up you know, he came out of Asbury, uh, and landed at Candler school of theology at Emory university. And, uh, so he was, he was one of my professors and started introducing to a lot of the things that both of you are very familiar with. You know, I heard you talking about Bosch and Verkul and Newbegin and, and all these different ways. And so, you know, even the Missio Day, okay? And, and you did a great piece on that as far as how that got introduced in the Willingen Conference. And uh, so anyway, it was a question of taking that as well as taking um, this Wesleyan theology this Wesleyan Methodist theology and doctrine and applying that lens to this Missio Day concept and, mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, Wesley actually, <laughs> uh, you know, even though he wasn't a systematic theologian, he's not labeled as that, yeah. he actually provides uh, what, what I believe could be and should be viewed as a systematic theological approach to missiology or to what it means to participate in God's mission. And, and he breaks that down. And I guess I'm saying all that to say that was the, that was the tension mm-hmm. that Louise is talking about as far as even today, right? Uh, that most church members, parishioners, uh, you know, those that are coming, congregants, whatever the different terms we want to call them, is they look and they say, that's, that's not my job. That's what we pay you for. <laughs> and so that's one of these paradigms, right, Albert, that we've mm-hmm. got to make this shift in the change. And I've never been more convinced, okay, than now that what Louise is talking about, this is what's necessary. Mm-hmm. We've got to transform and grow and nurture missional leaders, okay? Yeah. It's not the typical... MDiv program that's yeah. developing the fruitful and effective pastoral leaders in these in the churches that are growing. Um, uh, you know, not here at least in in the states. The ones that I'm seeing that are doing the church planting, uh, that are actually uh, embodying the gospel uh, and teaching teaching mm-hmm. their parishioners the same. Uh, those those are folks uh, that aren't looking at it from just a career move, it, this is a vocation. This is a way of life. Um, you know, first, a couple things that, uh, that I just would highlight uh, with that. You know, I'm, I'm mindful of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, I'm also mindful that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is in you. Um, 
And, you know, so that's to me in one, in one spot is a, is a good starting point for this notion of a way of life. I know we were actually talking quite a bit, uh, even before we started this podcast, as far as the life of the church and uh, some of the challenges that we face uh, in, in pastoral ministry or in ministerial leadership that oftentimes uh, parishioners or congregation uh, will think and look and say, well, we'll pastor, we'll reverend, we'll minister. That's what you're there for, you know? <laughs> um, so now I say that uh, to say this, this notion that it's a way of life is actually a holistic concept. Mm -hmm. um, in other words, all too often, and maybe even you and I have been there at some point in our lives, in, in, our, uh, in our journey of faith, where at one point you even looked at it like, uh, you know, the notion of church was simply going to worship for about an hour, an hour and a half on <laughs> Sunday. Um, or it was, you know, that gathering that took place on a, on a Wednesday night. Um, so I'm setting that up to say that all too often uh, in, in, in the church, uh, in the body of Christ, uh, a lot of persons actually think of it as just simply this activity, mm -hmm. this activity, this outward activity that they're going to participate in, um, you know, whether it's one hour, two hours, three hours or four, you know, or more throughout the week. But what if, what if we had a way of talking about it and explaining it and sharing this gospel? And when I say gospel, I'm talking about the good news, mm -hmm. those, the salvific activities of God the Father and God the Son through God the Holy Spirit. Um, what if we looked at that as this is something that we live out 24-7, day by day. It's, it's not simply this uh, one or two or three hour activity that we participate in the, in the life of the church. What if it truly was a way of life as it was for Jesus Christ? <laughs> I mean, Jesus himself claimed, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, uh, and he embodied uh, that. Uh, which was what? Glorifying God, glorifying the Father. And uh, so that's what I'm really actually interested in. How do we embody the gospel as a way of life? Um, I, you know, this could be where I would go and talk about uh, this notion of Missio Dei and the means of grace. Uh, and as we had talked about previously, there are things that, uh, that we can engage and participate in from our Wesleyan Methodist uh, tradition, if you will, mm -hmm. these notions of the means of grace that actually frame this way of life is something this one offer, uh, you know, experience for a few hours or, you know, even a couple, couple, a uh, couple days out of the week. Sadly, today in the church is so common that people expect and, and understand sometimes the Christian life as a, a not full commitment, like a pastor or a missionary, but I'm come to the church every Sunday and, and do here and there something, we must go ahead and move forward to a holistic view of Christianity. And this is so demanding today. There is a book that I always recommend to everyone. I just bought a new copy to give 
to people from Stevens, uh, Paul Stevens is the abolition of laity. And, and he says that yes. uh, we were talking yesterday, a friend of mine and I, that until the third and fourth century, you, you cannot find anywhere about the word ordained, you know, <laughs> everyone they were all lay people mm. on the sense of common and they were all ordained through baptism Amen. and you know one of you know one of the first bishops of christian church were slaves people yes. that they didn't have this difference between you know i'm Virgin. lay i'm ordained mm -hmm. it's sunday morning it's tuesday and i'm cutting the I, you know they were all and yeah. that's yeah. why this movement could put the world upside down because people understood that, look, I'm God's, uh, you know, Amen. God's friend and property. And, 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 and he calls me friend because I serve him as a <laughs> servant. And if I'm cutting the grass, praise the Lord. I'm <laughs> serving him. I'm working for him. I, I, I'm showing people love. We were doing this activity here in Widenshaw. It's a, it's a community around Manchester. It's a, one of the largest council states in Europe. And we spend a week, the whole message trust employees, 150 something people. We were cutting the grasses, the hedges, painting fences. <laughs> uh, uh, I was litter picking the whole week, helping people and engaging evangelism. And one conversation called my attention. I was talking with this uh, uh, elderly man. He was on his 80s on a wheelchair. And he came to me and was the hottest week on record in Manchester. <laughs> so it was 34 degrees that day. Oh, mercy. Celsius. I was there literally picking with my 18 years old son and, and leading three groups of people. And this guy came to me and said, what on earth are you doing here? <laughs> he says, what on earth are you doing here? Literally picking on this time. And, you know, just came. God just stirred me and just came and said, man, God's love is practical. Some Amen. don't think is a theory. It's practical. And what we are doing here is before you hear it, you can see how practical it is. And that man, when he heard that, he just looked at me and said, so now please tell me about his love. Amen. <laughs> so, yes. so, so that, that I agree 100%. That's it. Yes. We, we, we have to help people to understand and to join the Mission Day in all the means of grace and, and through all that. So a sure. question is, how to you, David, how uh, would you define the mission day and the means of grace and the relationship between two, the two of them? Because I know this is a topic that you, you, <laughs> you deal on your last book that came yes, last yes. year. Amazing book that uh, Connect Church here in Manchester will be studying on November forward. Uh, the Wonderful. name of the book is Mission Day and the Means of Grace, a Theology of Participation. So how could you define and explain a little bit between the relationship of these uh, two concepts? Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Louise, for asking that. And Albert, thanks for what you were sharing uh, earlier uh, as far as persons being able to participate and, and not be lukewarm. Makes me think of the uh, <laughs> church in Laodicea. Uh, if you're lukewarm, you get spit out. <laughs> um, so yeah, Missio Day, uh, you, you all have been talking about that uh, previously in your, uh, in your podcast. And the way that I defined uh, the Missio Day, and, and I know there's many different definitions out there, uh, but I define Missio Day as the grace of the triune God that moves in and through and with the world 
that all might be transformed in the holy love of God and neighbor. Um, so when I talk about grace, uh, you know, even the very first part of that great, you know, it's the grace of the triune God. When I talk about grace, I'm looking at it from this Wesleyan perspective of, um, the presence, the pardon and the power of God, the father in God, the son through God, the Holy spirit. Um, you know, and, and of course, you know, in the Wesleyan Methodist tradition, we talk about moving from grace to grace to grace. Um, it's very common, you know, and, and I used to take these, uh, you know, unofficial polls of, of persons that I taught in classes, whether it's Bible studies or in the life of the church, I'd ask them. And I do that even with my students now, Hey, what, what's grace? What's grace to you? And you hear, you know, several different definitions of grace. Uh, the predominant one that stands out the most is you typically will hear about God's unmerited favor. Uh, in other words, that essence of pardon that, uh, that we know and that we experience uh, in and through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but oftentimes what's lacking in, in that definition, it's not that that's not accurate. That is accurate as far as grace, but there's so much more to be unpacked as well. There's also the notion of the presence of God, just like mm -hmm. this notion the kingdom of heaven is in you. Uh, when Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples, he tells them what he says, uh, he's going to be sending, uh, he and the father are going to be sending the advocate, uh, the counselor, mm -hmm. the Holy spirit. So we've got this presence of God that's with us now. It doesn't, it doesn't even just begin there. I mean, you can think about the pillar of cloud by day and the <laughs> pillar of fire by night. What is that? Uh, this is actually the grace. This is the presence of God that is with God's people and God's creation. And then mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's rather exciting. And one of the most exciting areas to talk about for me in this concept of grace is that it is this power that is uh, to do good and to be good. You know, Wesley loved to say, apart from, apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And then, of course, you know, tag that. It's one of the great axioms. Uh, Paul says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, so there's this power of the Holy Spirit that's present. So it's a more holistic understanding of the concept of grace from this Wesleyan perspective. Now, he wasn't the first one, obviously, when, you know, fleshing this out, but really uh, he helped to bring it, uh, bring it to a head and to help people to see this in a different way that, uh, you know, it's, if it wasn't for the grace of God, uh, none of us would be able to participate. We wouldn't be here even having this conversation today. Okay, so this Missio Dei, um, first off, and of course, going back historically, uh, you know, with the, with the coinage of that term, even though the, the, the term was new, the concept wasn't. Louise, you were talking about that earlier, or at least in my mind, you were in those first two and three centuries. You know, it was very much mm. a way of life of participating in God's mission. It was only as we as the church grew and the church uh, developed the body of Christ that all of a sudden it usurped that understanding that mission 
belonged, that God was the author and the perfecter of our faith. God was the, uh, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. And all of a sudden, historically, the church became uh, seen or understood as that author of mission. And it was the mm -hmm. church that was sending people. So it's, it's reverting back in the 20th century with, uh, you know, with that concept uh, and that coinage of the Missio Dei that we are seeing a dramatic shift and change in the way of thinking about and participating in mission. Uh, as you've also illumined before, you, you talked about how there is still the uh, tension, if you will, between the concept of mission and missions. Um, and now from my perspective, uh, one of the things that we're introducing is that how can we still hold fast to that theological assertion that there's, as there's one God, there's one mission. Um, and the way that we can do that is through this using this Wesleyan lens of grace mm. in the means of grace. So it actually becomes cooperant. Um, it's not it's not giving the authority or the power back into the hands of a person and or even the church, that it still rests, it still resides in and with God, and that the things that we're able to do is because of the grace of God that's moving in the world. So if grace is the activity, okay, of God in God's creation, uh, the way that we participate in God's mission is through our participation in those means of grace uh, or those activities that actually bring us or draw us back into the life of God and subsequently going out into the world. Uh, you know, this is where oftentimes if I was in a class, I would take just a moment and I would back up and move away just from the Missio Dei for a, for a bit and, and even that notion of the means of grace. Um, and I would say that there's this rhythm to discipleship. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been talking about this notion as a way of life, uh, living it out. So there's this rhythm to discipleship for this way of life as a Christ follower. And it actually starts with this creative God that says what to each and every one of us? Come, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and, and I will give you rest. And so the first part is that provenient grace, if you will, mm -hmm. that, that calls and reaches out to us. Come to him. And then, and then Jesus says what? He says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we also know in this rhythm of discipleship that we're sent. Go and make disciples of all nations go and I'll make you fisher of men. So it's, it's come, it's abide and it's go. So this whole concept really of the Missio Dei of participating in God's mission is not simply from my perspective of the notion of being sent. Mm -hmm. You can't be sent if you haven't been called or said, said yet said a different way, if you're being sent, you're being sent from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So or in this particular case, we would make the argument being sent from someone. So as we participate in the life of God, 
okay, as God abides in us and we abide in God, then there's this beautiful thing that's happening. We're sent wherever that scent might be. It might be teaching Sunday school. It (laughs) might be, as you were just sharing, clipping the grass and having the opportunity to talk to the elderly gentleman. It might be to Namibia in Southern Africa. Um, It might be to Potawai in South America. The point is, if this is a way of life and there's a rhythm of discipleship, it does not diminish the notion that everybody has gifts and talents Mm -hmm. and we're not all supposed to have it's, you know, it's like the, the parable of the body, right? The many, the different gifts, the different talents, uh, the different parts of the body. We need the ear. We need the hand. We need the feet. Um, We need all of these just as we need the different gifts and the talents. I know I've said a lot. <laughs> Keep going. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got a couple more things to say as to why I think there's some real merit to making and teaching the concept that just as there's the one triune God, there's one mission, and there's many participants. It's been my experience over the years in pastoral ministry that oftentimes, even in the life of the church, the local church, persons would feel that they were in competition with one another for either the resources Mm -hmm. or the attention. And even though it's not all too often outspoken, you could sense that and Mm -hmm. you could see this tension that was there because there was this natural reversion back to that premise. Well, this is my mission and that's your mission. And I need these resources Mm -hmm. for my mission. And this mission is actually more important than, than yours. Um, when we change the way we think about things, the things that we look at change. Mm -hmm. So if we hold fast to that notion that just as there's one God, there's one mission and it's God's mission and God makes it possible for us to participate in that mission, there's not any room for a sense of pride Mm-hmm. or authority of ownership because it begins with God and it will end with God. And this grace that we define as the presence, the pardon, and the power makes it possible for everything in the middle mm-hmm. for us to be able to participate and build in the kingdom of God. Thank you very much for being with us on our podcast, The Mission Show. Our conversation with Dr. David Martin Whitworth was so full of content, so good, that we have decided to split in two. So you can listen the second part of this conversation interview next week on our The Mission Show podcast. In the meantime, if you'd like to know more about church, mission, and evangelism, please come to our website, www.cntmission.com. You can have access to our books, our interviews, all the materials, all our research and everything that we put there. If you'd like to support our ministry, if you'd like to have us speaking, 
to your conference or to your church or help in any way, shape or form, please be in contact with us. We'll be delighted to help. And I would like to share with you some very, very good news. My latest book is just ready and will be on Amazon next week. The title is God's Message to Missionaries and Immigrants. How to Thrive and Not Just Survive When Crossing Cultures. So if you'd like to know how to be an effective missionary, immigrant, migrant, refugee in another culture, please read this book. It's a must read for every church that is receiving people from different cultures, but everyone should know how to be God's people with people from a culture that is not our own. I hope to have you with us next week. May God bless you and see you soon.